0: We do baby dedications a couple times a year here at Lakeside Church, and one of those times is typically on Father's Day because we just look at that and we go, you know, when we're honoring fathers, what a great time to just stop and say we've got little ones and we want the, the role of the father to be big in their life as well as the mom. But, you know, let's, let's see what God can do through us as moms and dads in these kids' lives. And then we come to Christmas and we do another dedication, and this one we plan it in this time of year because it's the time when we remember that God sent His Son into this world in the most vulnerable way possible, in the form of a baby. And there's a million reasons why God did it that way. But I love the fact that during, you know, this this time when we remember Jesus and we focus on Him coming into this world as an infant, we get to take babies up together and we get to hold them and pray for them and, and seek God's blessing in their life. And I just think it's a wonderful thing. And it reminds me, and one of the reasons we do this this time of year is it reminds me to get ready for Christmas, to be prepared for Christmas. And, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the phrases we throw around a lot these days, right, when it comes to the holidays. Hey, are you ready for Christmas? And it, it, it's a question that means certain things. It means, um, you know, have, do you have your shopping done, which I never do. And, uh, and do you have the food ready? And all, you know, is it all ready? And yet there's a whole way deeper significance to that question than we usually give credence to. And that's just, are you ready for Christ? And when we do baby dedications this time of year, it just reminds me it's an opportunity for us to prepare ourselves for Christ during the Christmas season. And I want to take some time to do that together with us today. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning, and uh, you'll see that as we roll along. But I want to get started by reading some scripture From the Old Testament. In fact, everything we read today from the Bible is going to be from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. And so if you have your copy of the Bible, why don't you pull it out and let's look at Isaiah chapter 40. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can reach over and grab one off the seat near you. So help yourself to that and and, uh, follow along with us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Here's what Isaiah the prophet wrote about 750 years before Jesus came. Comfort. Comfort. Oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling... In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How appropriate for us today that that scripture, written now for us... uh, You know, more than two and a half thousand years ago, that scripture starts with comfort, oh comfort my people. The environment that Israel was living in, that the nation of Judah was living in in that generation was an environment of distress and despair and hopelessness. And we, you know, turn on the news or we open the paper today and we look at our nation, we go, we're in the same spot. And how kind is it of God to come alongside of us who are in those grieving situations and to be able to say, here, my prophet, comfort my people. That's what I want for you. And whatever you're walking through and whatever you're feeling these days as we're walking through the events that happened in Connecticut a couple of days ago, God comes alongside of us and he says, I'm going to comfort you in the midst of this. And people ask in a tragedy like this, they'll say, where is God? And I will say, God is right there in the middle of us comforting us and comforting his people in the midst of that comfort the prophet asks the question are you ready and a voice is calling and he says in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord and I'm like okay well I'd like to be ready it's more than packages it's more than food it's more than the decorations it's more than all that stuff I want to be ready for Christ I want to be ready for the Messiah to come into my world this season as well as every season how do I get there and Isaiah beautifully defines how you get ready for the Messiah he says he says every valley will be raised up every mountain and hill made low the rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain in other words what he's saying is when you're going to get ready for the Messiah start work on the highways like well yeah but what is that what is that about i remember Uh, A couple years ago, they they did a major construction project down on on Highway 49 going south from here. I have a motorcycle that I get to ride, and one of my motorcycle's favorite roads is Highway 49. It loves it. And so I try and take it down there as often as possible. And so we go down the road, and, and they did this construction project. And what they did was, in a valley between two hills, they made a bridge. And all they did was they they ended up, in effect, raising the valley and knocking down the hills. And they made a highway. It's not all that cool for my motorcycle. You know, it's fast, but it's not curvy anymore, which I really like. But it's fast. It's really good for an army. Except when was the last time they brought an army down Highway 49 in the gold country? But that's exactly what... Isaiah says, is the way to prepare for the Messiah. He says, bring up the valleys, knock down the hills, make a highway, make a level place for the Messiah to come in because the king is coming and he wants a clear path. And when we come to Christmas and we say, okay, let's get ready for the Messiah, what the Bible says is the Messiah is coming, make a clear path for him. And in this world around us, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your heart, in your home, make a clear path for him. Build him a highway. Get it ready. Because he's coming. And so we have these things in our lives. We have these valleys in our lives. And maybe we're speaking metaphorically about this, but some of the things that are valleys in our lives, the Bible would call sin. And the world doesn't want to talk about it. Sometimes you, you will hear people around sometimes, not on weekends like this, but you will hear people sometimes say, Oh, there's not really evil in the world. Bad things happen, but but there's not really evil. Nobody's saying that today. There is evil out there. And the hard part is, there is evil in here too. Maybe not the same kind. None of us would go out and do what happened in Connecticut a couple of days. None of us would do that. It wouldn't enter our thinking. It wouldn't enter our soul. And yet there's this thing inside us called sin. And the Bible's very clear that it exists within us. And to clear a path for Messiah, we need to address that issue and then he says i want you to bring the mountains down and maybe from a metaphorical perspective you'd say well those mountains sometimes in our lives those are the fears that keep us from preparing the way for christ to come we've got all these fears in this world and those fears have gone up in the last 48 hours and isaiah says i want you to bring those fears down you cannot serve christ in fear can't live out faith in fear And the world around us is terrorized and living in fear, and it's Christ followers who are the ones who are able to prepare the way for Christ to come by knocking those fears down and living by faith. So we're going to spend some time today together just building up faith, um, addressing the sin that's in our lives, the evil that's in this world. Um knocking down the fears and saying, God, we want to follow you. We want to follow your Messiah. So in the process of this, uh, we're going to sing a little bit and talk a little bit and sing a little bit and talk a little bit, okay? And uh, sometimes when we're singing some of the songs that are coming, if you want to stand and sing them, feel free to stand. If you prefer to sit while we sing, you can do it that way. So we may have a hodgepodge. That's just fine. We're just going to connect with God's heart and build a highway for him to come into our lives today. All right, why don't we have the band come back up, and you guys will lead us, and let's pray together as we enter this journey. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are, for what you've done already in this world. We know, Jesus, that you came into the world to save us from sin. And so your birth was the beginning of a life that was going to lead toward the cross and death and payment for our sin. And so, Jesus, we're grateful to you for all of those things. But, Lord, I would ask that as we gather together and as we begin to prepare for you, that you would meet every one of us where we are. For those who are sold out to you, meet us there. For those of us who are doubting you, meet us there. For those of us who are tending to push you away, Lord, meet us right there. And my prayer is that you would draw us together towards you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We seek you out together on this day. Amen. The word Noel means announcement. It's the first announcement of the good news of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And in the song, the shepherds were the ones who got the first announcement from the angels. But if you go back through scripture, you'll find out that that announcement came 750 years before. The story of that is found in Isaiah chapter 7. And again, if you would like to look this up and read along, you can. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 gives the next part of our story. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But King Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. There's some historical background to this that we don't—we're not all familiar with. It's not common history to us. King Ahaz was the king of the nation called Judah. It was the southern nation of what used to be one nation called Israel. It's a nation that surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and Ahaz was afraid because the king of Israel in the north and the king of Syria farther north had allied together, and they were bringing their armies as one army down to Jerusalem, down to Judah to fight against King Ahaz and his army. Each of those armies in the north was bigger than Ahaz's army, so he was terrified because he knew he was going to lose this battle. But God came along to his prophet Isaiah, and he, and he said to King Ahaz, don't be afraid, you and your army are going to win this war. And Ahaz wasn't all sure that was so true, and so God very generously said to Ahaz, well, I promise that it's true, but why don't you ask me for a sign? You are going to win the war. Just ask me for a sign. I'll give you any sign you like. Just go ahead. Now Ahaz was a wicked king. We already talked about. There is evil in the world where there was evil in this man's heart. He was one of the worst kings that the nation of Judah ever had. But he feigned righteousness before God. And he said, oh, no, no. I'm too righteous to test God, to put God to the test. I'm not going to ask him for a sign. He was faking it. He was... Faking righteousness. He really just didn't want to engage with God. I mean, God came along and very generously said, make a big ask. Ask it as big as you want. I love that. As a leader, I like the idea of making big asks of people and saying, let's go this direction. Let's don't ask small things for God. You, you can ask small things, but, but those don't challenge God. Those don't, they just, those don't honor His greatness, And so, you know, when we're talking about doing stuff for God, it's like, let's ask him for great things. And God comes along to Ahaz and says, go ahead, ask me for something great. And Ahaz declines. He said, no, 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 I, I I wouldn't put my God to the test. That would be wrong. And God then gives a sign of judgment to Ahaz because he refused to follow God's direction. He said, okay, you won't ask for a sign. I'll give you a sign. And it would be a sign of judgment because it was a sign that wouldn't happen until 700 years after King Ahaz's death. It's like a sign doesn't do you any good if you don't get to see it. And so it became a sign of judgment. God said to his prophet Isaiah, a virgin will be with child. She will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What's the nature of the sign? Two things Number one, it's impossible. Virgins don't conceive that's impossible. That doesn't happen. In that generation, that's just there's no way that happens. It's impossible. He gives him an impossible sign that won't show up until 700 years after his death. But it's also a sign of the personal nature of God. Like God can do the impossible, but God can also come in among us and live among us and be personal to us. Because he said, when the virgin gives birth to her son, she will name him Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. It's the presence of God with us. Isaiah chapter 7 is an invitation to believe. It's an invitation that God is to believe that God is able to do the impossible. It's an invitation to believe that God is able to be personal with us. And so, in the midst of a dark world, in the midst of a lot of bad stuff that goes on, some of you may be wrestling with your faith. Some of you are not sure that God has the power to overcome the circumstances in this world. Some of you are not sure that God is personal personal enough to come right into our world. Maybe he's out there, but he's too far removed. But the story of Christmas, the story of Isaiah 7 says, when God comes in, he comes in as Emmanuel, God with us. And that changes everything. I want to give you a moment today. Uh, to pray to our God, and we're just gonna do this silently in your places where you are. I'm not gonna get you to huddle into groups or anything, and I'm not gonna particularly lead the prayer except to say this. I wanna just give you a moment where you can say, God, this is my heart before you. I'm wrestling with you today. And some of you maybe haven't ever come to the place where you said, Jesus, I need to trust you. I need a savior. And Maybe you've just just wrestled with that, and you just wanna tell him that today. Or maybe the events that have gone on this weekend bring fear into your life. And you go, God, I need to know that you can do the impossible. And maybe you just want to walk that through with him for a moment. Or maybe there's stuff that's going on in your own life or in your own family or in your own world where you say, God, what I really need is a personal God. And you can just tell them that today. So we're going to hear some music. We're just going to have a time of prayer. And then we'll move on with the next song that we're going to sing together. You tell God where you are today. Let's pray. Lord, today I pray for us. I pray for us who are in the room here that you would show yourself powerful enough to do the impossible in our lives. I pray that you would show yourself to be personal to us, intimate with us, and that you would shape us moment by moment and even this week as we prepare for the Messiah Christ to come. And Lord, while we're praying, I want to pray for those families from that town in Connecticut, that you will bless them and that those who know you will be able to present you to others so that they know that you are a powerful, personal God. Lord, lead us in your way, please. Amen. It may seem like a really odd thing to sing about rejoicing, In dark times. I mean, how do you rejoice in in times like these? And yet, that's part of the message of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9. In the midst of a dark world, there's rejoicing that comes along. For a very specific reason that I want you to see. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. The prophet says, Nevertheless... To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When Isaiah wrote his prophecy, it was a time of great darkness for the people of Judah. Their land was under siege. Their economy was in a tank. Evil was around them, all around them. And the prophet comes and speaks into that national mood where the mood was gloom and despair and distress and darkness. And in the middle of that, he says, but there will be a light in Galilee which is north of Jerusalem, north of Judah. It's in the nation of Israel in that political scenario. And he said, there will be light in the midst of a region that lived in darkness. And they all wanted to know why. And they all wanted to know how. And we would ask the same things today. We've been asking the same things today. Why? How? And the prophet answers the question with these words. For to us, a child is born. Which have to be some of the sweetest words in the Bible. A child is born. Everybody celebrates the birth of a child. God sent his son in the person of a child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And he will be the light of the world. And when he comes into this world, they will have names for him. Wonderful counselor, for one. You and I know that in Connecticut, yesterday, they brought counselors in to deal with those families and to care for those children. Those children will see counselors, perhaps, for the rest of their lives. Someone to guide them, someone to steer them, someone to comfort them, someone to come alongside of them. And when the Messiah comes, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful, it's a word that means astonishing. He will be this astonishing counselor to his people. Guiding them and directing them in astonishing ways with astonishing wisdom. That's what we need. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. The word that he used for God, there's several words in Hebrew for the name of God, and so this word that he used is kind of, the, it's kind of the basic word for God, but it means the one who is most high, the one who is over everything and everyone, and it's a word that talks about God's power. And so it's a little bit, it's a little bit repetitive when he says mighty God. He's really saying mighty, mighty, mighty powerful one. A child would say, he's my mighty, mighty That's this Messiah. He is the mighty, mighty. And it's appropriate to look at it and to come to it from a child's perspective because the next name for the Messiah is Everlasting Father. When Jesus came into the world, that wasn't the beginning of his life. He's eternal. He's everlasting. There's not a moment in the history of the world before Jesus came into it. There's not a moment in the history of the world where Jesus wasn't engaged. He has a historical presence in this world all the way along. But he's the everlasting father and so not only has he been here from the beginning but he'll be here through the end of this world and on into eternity. He is everlasting. He's eternal. And the Beauty of having an eternal God is that God is not uh, distressed by current events. I'm not saying he's not moved by them, but they don't disrupt his path. They don't disrupt his person, and they don't disrupt his plan. He's an eternal father, which again means that he's personal to us. He's not just a king, although he is a king. He's not just a ruler, although he is a ruler. He's not even just a creator, although he is that. He's a father, intimate with us. And he's the prince of peace. In that generation, often the prince, the son of the king, would become the commander-in-chief of the army. Isaiah says, get ready away for the Lord. Build the highway so that the king can come in. And now you see that the Messiah is the prince of peace. He's the commander of God's army. But God's army is not designed primarily to make war. God's army is designed primarily to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. And that's the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom. Many of us know that word. It's a word that means wholeness. It doesn't mean absence of conflict. It means presence of peace, wholeness, restoration, reconciliation, peace. And so when we prepare ourselves for Christ, when we prepare ourselves for Christmas, we come to a wonderful counselor, mighty, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to take a moment now again with you to give you some time to pray and to prepare for Christ through your own prayer. And I'm just going to walk you through these four names of the Messiah and let you pray to God in those terms, in the terms of each name as we go along. Because some of you, what you really need in your life is the direction from a wonderful counselor. And some of you, what you really need is the power of a mighty, mighty God. Some of you, what you need is the personal relationship with an everlasting Father. And some of you, what you need is the comfort of the Prince of Peace. So I'll walk you through this. Let's just take a moment and let's pray through these names of the Messiah as we prepare for him. Let's just start with a prayer toward our wonderful counselor. What do you need from him as a counselor? Just tell him. And then let's pray to him as our mighty God, powerful one, In what way do you need God's power in your life today and this week and this season? And then let's pray to our everlasting Father. Pray for a relationship with him by faith through Christ. Ask for intimacy with Him in your life. And then let's pray to our Prince of Peace who can bring wholeness into our life and wholeness into our family and wholeness into our world.